And we thought the good times would never end, but then suddenly, out of nowhere, Suzuki happened. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Yeah, we're still genuinely in shock here at this one. Hey guys, I'm Dre Harrison. Welcome to episode 358 of Motorsport 101. And, uh, oh boy, um... First time in a while that a race has not been the headlining story of a podcast. It's It's been a while. But uh, it's never a good sign when Monday morning um, goes through um, on, our, on our Discord server and we have to call an emergency meeting <laughs> with some of our members because we just couldn't believe what we'd seen. Um, yeah, uh, MotoGP is going to be down to manufacturing next year. Who'd have thunk it? Oh, and... The Spanish Grand Prix happened too. We'll talk about that a little bit in the show too. But first, let's go around the horn. First up, RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Uh, in this emergency meeting, I would like to lay out that I'm I'm not sus. Um, I, I, I you did not see me vent, and and even then, I I was on cooldown, so there was no way I could have possibly uh, made Suzuki leave MotoGP. I don't know, King. I think RJ's looking kind of sus over there. What do you reckon? <laughs> I know, but Suzuki's out here shocking the world like Karen Benzema, like shit. <laughs> wow, we got, we got on that quick. <laughs> Literally, that Champions League semi-final is finished about five minutes ago. <laughs> so, uh, when these takes are coming fresh out of the oven, you love to hear. Uh, also in the corner, we have Cal Buckley. How's it going, man? You just had to brag about the health of the sport, Andre. <laughs> Are you holding me partly responsible for this? I am holding you responsible. <laughs> yeah, you tempted fate, and fate said bet. <laughs> well, it seems like it's a weekly occurrence on this motorsport network. <laughs> you know, I really like, like, I, I'm really getting sick and tired of being wrong this year. Like, I, I, my predictions have been trash. All year long. We'll talk about that more in the four minute episode later on in the week. But oh God almighty. Uh, like the last I, I I talked about it in the last two podcasts with Aprilia and the fact they've now lost their concessions and you know everyone's won in the last year. MotoGP's They're leading the team's championship. Right! Right. And like you know, you're sitting here and you're going, Oh, you know, the sport's never been better. The alien era is dead. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Suzuki kicks in the door and blows it off the hinge. It's like Suzuki, we're leaving again. Uh, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Basically, was my literal reaction to this. We will be talking about Het Fountain Center. The shocking news we found out on Monday morning. That's uh, well, Monday afternoon, really. That's uh, just in the middle of a test. May I point out there was a test at RF after the race finished on Monday. <laughs> so all the teams and crews were still there. And if you look on certain journalists' Twitter, like Matt Oxy, you can actually see the shell-shocked faces of the staff as they find out all of a sudden their future's up in the air. It's uh, it's it's a great photo, but also very sad all at the same time. Uh, we'll be talking all about Suzuki's imminent departure from MotoGP as it stands. Then, well, all the ramifications that come with it, because we, we're not just talking about Suzuki leaving the ramifications. Where does Johan Mir go? We probably know. Where does Alex Rins go? We really don't know on that one. Um, what happens to the team, the bikes, etc.? It's, it's all up in the air. We, 
but we'll try and make as much sense of it as we possibly can in the next half hour or so. We'll also talk a little bit about the Spanish Grand Prix itself. And as yeah, welcome back to the winning circle, Peko Banyaya, who uh, had the least dominant, but also most dominant Grand Slam you will ever see in MotoGP because he dominated the entire weekend and the race he won by two tenths of a second. You'll have to listen for it to make sense, I promise. And we got one last tremendous Mark Marquez save to add to the record books because uh, that fight for third was spicy. So all of that in this extended version of M101 because, oh boy, we've got to talk some Suzuki in a minute. But basically, you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Subscribe on there if you haven't already. Um, hit the bell as well if you want notifications and all of that. I've got a new video out there, by the way, as well. It's going to be a power rankings list. So if you want my opinion on where the F1 grid stands at the moment, check that out. It'll be up by the time this goes out. Uh, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you want to find out our handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at Buckley 917 We're on Instagram at Motorsport 101 Pod. Follow us up for content updates out on there. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. All the details on that and much more on our website, Motorsport101.com, including blogs on everything you'll hear from this past weekend. Uh, so that all that will be on the website as usual. All that content will be on there. Right. Without further ado, let's get into Suzuki. The fact they're going. More like, let's get into Suzukint. <laughs> oh. Suzuki. Oh, dear. So, like I said, this was Monday afternoon in the middle of a test. And I believe it was um, Oriole at Autosport.com that broke the story first. Um, and it just came on my Twitter feed completely out of nowhere that Suzuki are set to leave the sport. And, I, and my jaw hit the ground. I don't, I don't know how the rest of you guys found out, but that, that's how I found out. And uh, <laughs> we, we had to scramble around trying to make sense of all of this because did, I, I cannot stress this enough. This was completely out of nowhere. There was no rumblings about this. There was no murmurs, no rumors, no smoke amongst any of this. Apparently, Suzuki's board of directors met on Monday morning right before they break off for Golden Week there. I think it's, I think it's a week off, RJ, I believe it is over yeah, there. Yeah, this is, this is basically like a sequence of uh, public holidays that just stretches into one holiday mm. Uh, mm. over over a whole week. It's 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 a good time. Yeah, so uh, just before they broke off for Golden Week, um, apparently the board of directors had a meeting and then they passed it on to Livio Suppo, the team boss, who obviously has now passed on the details to all the team members. That Yeah, Suzuki's done here. They are they are set to leave the sport at the end of the year. And uh, yeah, it, it's hitting everybody in here for six. I mean, Cam, what was your initial reaction? Um, pretty similar to yours. Um a simple what the fuck yeah um uh i got nothing on this one you know you and i kind of discuss you kind of discussed this a little bit before we started recording today that mm. suzuki's never really been the most committed of the manufacturers of moto gp um they leave and come back seemingly in cycles but this is happening a year after they signed a five-year deal to remain in the sport. 
And they've got mm-hmm. a title contending bike, especially with the upgrades they got this year, and two title capable riders. Oh, one yeah. of whom won them a title. Yeah. 18 months ago, these guys were world champions. <laughs> Last year, they signed what would essentially be MotoGP's version of the Concord Agreement. It was a five-year commitment to the sport until 2026, alongside all the other five manufacturers that are in MotoGP. And uh, apparently, Dorna Sports were not too happy to hear uh, about it, this. It, not apparently, because <laughs> they issued a full statement and I'll TLDR it for you. Mm. Get your lawyers ready. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you, you the. You can't. Full. You can't mm. just be a hey, yo homie. Uh, we just don't feel like it anymore. After you win the world championship, <laughs> you know, think, think less just, than two years. Ago. You know, things yeah. just aren't working out. I wanna. I wanna go home and focus on myself for a little bit. The fuck you mean? <laughs> yeah. The, it, here's the full statement. I read it real quick, saying, "Quote: Following recent rumors of Suzuki departing MotoGP at the end of 2022, Dorna Sports has officially contacted the factory in order to remind." That the contracts of their the conditions of their contracts to race in MotoGP do not allow for them <coughs> to take this decision unilaterally. <laughs> However, should Suzuki depart following an agreement between both parties, Dorna will decide on the ideal number of riders and teams racing in the MotoGP class from 2023. Dorna continues to receive high levels of interest from a number of both official factories and independent teams looking to join the grid as the sport continues to set a global example of close competition, innovation, and entertainment, reaching hundreds of millions of fans around the world. Interest from these parties has been reconfirmed in the past 24 hours. This was a day after... The initial, the initial news from pretty much every motorcycle source on earth broke the story. Um, yeah, I mentioned because that, it, the, the statement heavily implies that Suzuki did not even inform Dorna that they were unilaterally choosing to leave. Right. And yeah. uh, <laughs> one does not just leave this global sport. Dorna was not going to allow themselves to get their fingers burnt like they did in 2008 when Kawasaki quit. Because when they did that back then... The sport almost collapsed in on itself when Kawasaki all of a sudden broke off and were like, nope, we can't do this no more. This was right on the back of the credit crunch when Lehman Brothers collapsed in 2008. And uh, the sport basically was brought to its knees. And uh, they ironcladded their contracts to avoid this sort of situation from ever happening again. And it's happened again. So, uh, Dorna are pissed, essentially. And they've basically... like. As Cam alluded to, you might as well just say lawyer up at this point because uh, that's going to get ugly. Um, yeah. And not to mention, we still haven't had an official comment from Suzuki Corporate. We're recording this two days after the story broke. Suzuki's probably not going to release a statement until at least Friday when Golden Week is over. Yeah, this so, has, uh, look, every reputable source, everyone, <laughs> including Dorna. Yeah have basically outed this as it's happening. Yeah. There's um, no doubt. And, and when we look at it, it's, the the signs have been here for years, but we could never piece it together. Well, it's taken them. Mm. It took them years to get certain aspects of their bike up to the level of their competition. And their development strategy two years ago was, well, let's just not do anything. Yeah, um, but we, we never thing. could have pinpointed it straight down to oh well, they're just going to up and leave the sport. 
Yeah, it's like, well, on the hot take wagon, that would be um, the last dab of, of hot takes if you were to put that together and associate them with quitting. I mean, yeah, this was a team that struggled to develop, absolutely. I mean, they didn't develop their bikes the year after they won the world title. It left their star rider and reigning world champion, Yoan Mir, unable to compete with Banyaya and Quadrara to try and defend this title with. It took them two and a half years to get a whole shot device on their bike um, compared to Chikati, who invented the thing in the first place. Um, you know, they've, they, they pulled out of world superbikes years ago. Um, on top of that as well. And they always half-assed that effort to begin with. They basically just gave them the bikes and said, here, Crescent Racing, have at it, basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and one of the one of the prevailing rumors when uh, when Supo had come into the team was that he was there to make budget cuts. Right. To figure out what, how to more intelligently spend the money. And, and uh, mm. well, the most intelligent way to spend the money is to just not, I guess. I, uh, that's... The thing is, is that, again, you would probably just not leap to that sort of conclusion. And it's easy to forget that we are still in the middle of not just a global pandemic, but also, you know, economic slowdown due to the roar in Ukraine as well. And, you know, we saw the disruption that caused with the with the Argentina weekend earlier this year. And, yeah, like, I, I think Suzuki might have just taken one look at the books at the end of the financial year, at the end of the end of March and maybe just thought F it, you know, it, it seems extremely spontaneous and it's, it, oh, it, it's, it's hard and to correct me if I'm wrong. Dre. Mm. Go uh, were they not? Cause you had said, like, you told me like, among all these factories, like Suzuki are not like sitting on a, bucket load of cash the way honda are the way ducati are the way yamaha no no they and and to that effect rj they've never been uh so much just pouring their heart and soul as a company into racing they come and go they're not like honda and yamaha where the company effectively started out racing that's where they're from yeah, like they were in the 500cc class. They quit in 2011 off the back of the credit crunch. They were down to one bike with just Bautista when they quit. They came back in 2015 um, with a brand new GSX RR, and they developed it to the point where they won the world title in 2020, and now they're quitting again. So they've been in and out before. It's not the first time they've done this, but it's... Oh, it's... It, it, it's... It, it has huge ramifications. It's like th- th- this is going to get settled in courts because, like, Adorno is not taking this lightly. Of course, they're not. Like, they- they've been banging the drum about how far they've come along in the last decade. Me included. I drank all that Kool Aid, and look where it's gotten me. Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and now on the back of like, like last year, they were tap dancing on every other motorsport series of their with all six of their major manufacturers arm-in-arm arm with each other, saying, yeah, this is the future. We're all here for the next half decade. And then less than six months after that agreement, Suzuki wants out. It's a huge embarrassment, King. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say the writing's on the wall, but when, when your team boss, after winning a world championship, was like, well, I'm believing. <laughs> it's, it's weird because well, well, you, you see just... all the little... You see the breadcrumbs. It's easy to look back at it now, and you can see the breadcrumbs of of what this Suzuki factory team was in the last two or three years. And we never thought 
it was all leading to them having one foot out of the door because they just signed the agreement and they just thought, well, they're just going to try and find a way well, to make just it sign work. an agreement. And I mean, when you look at them from a competitive standpoint, they've got two phenomenal riders, one of which right. brought them a world championship. Mm. They're leading the team's championship right now as we speak today, yep. uh, May 4th, 2022. And they have put in the work. They have they found performance this year. They have invested and found performance in this bike to make it championship worthy again, only to mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. It's, Reminds it's me of, of another Japanese manufacturer in very recent times in another form of motorsport. I wonder who they could be. Um, yeah, I mean, let's look at it from a rider standpoint. Neil Amir, it, I mean, in the same motorsport.com report, it was pretty much all but confirmed that Yoan Mir is going to Honda next year. Um, that's a terrifying team next year. That, Yoan that Mir is. and Mark Marquez. Well, remember, they Honda wanted Mir, and he got snapped up when he went up to the top class. Dude, if they yeah. get if they get a bike that's worth a damn, uh, well, that's cancel Christmas. That's kind of the operative, and we will talk about that later in a little bit more detail. But if you're Johan Mir, you're, wonder- you're probably wondering how life came to this because uh, you're going from the consensus the consensus easiest bike to ride in the field to the consensus hardest bike to ride up against a Mark Marquez who is increasingly looking like his old self. Good luck with that, bud. <laughs> I love you. I love me some mirror. But yeah. that's a big ask. And so, if you're like, Alex yeah. Rins, yeah. where do you go from here? That's the that's the million dollar question. Because it looked like Mir's feature secure, according to the report from Oriel Puigdemont. <laughs> um Alex Rins, on the other hand, well, he could go anywhere. He could go to another manufacturer. He could go to another satellite team. He could be a test rider. He could go to World Superbikes. He could go to Moto America. <laughs> um, I don't think Moto America is quite there, but I mean, Cam, have you got a theory on this? What's your gut un- telling you? An unfortunate one because it hurts me. <laughs> um, look, if you're Ducati, you have so much talent. I don't think you're looking outside your own ranks. Not really. No. Um, if you're Honda, has, yeah. So I said to cut you. Van Man from the start has said Ducati is not looking outside their own factory. Yeah, he's been. I, I they, like keep, they may even keep Jack Miller as much as we've been shitting on Jack Miller. Oh yeah. God, more on that again later. Um, <laughs> if you're Honda, well, geez, um, you just probably picked up one of the Suzuki riders and. You're looking to clear decks on the LCR team. You probably have two riders lined up. Again, more on them later, because Ayagura has arrived. Oh, yeah. First Grand Prix win for Ayagura at the weekend in Moto2. And Big Bonder was there to watch it. That leaves... Oh, God. Might Yamaha bite... Is Yamaha going to buy Franco out of his contract and give him the boot? That, That was my theory. My theory is that I think like Yamaha needs a quality second rider. They had to let Maverick Vinales go, but Maverick even then was still better than the other three guys they've got in their ranks right now. So I think, and the way that you know Yamaha was talking after this race, it's I think they're starting to run out of patience with Morbidelli. 
and he is tied down until the end of next season, but would they do a second expensive buyout in a row to get Alex Rins alongside Fabio Cuadraro? Because that's if a we're speaking, terrifying team. If <laughs> we're speaking purely on rider quality right now, you do it. You're not getting anyone better. No, you're not. And Rins has been very, very solid this year. The problem is, are you willing to buy Franco out of his contract? This is Yamaha. They have enough money. Of course they do. Um, but it hurts me because Morbidelli was so, so good pre-injury, and it just oh, hasn't yeah. been the same since. Yeah, definitely. It's a sad one because Frankie's one of the genuine good guys in, on the grid, and he's never been the same post knee surgery. There's not even been a flash of his of his 2019 set or 2020 self where he was runner up in the championship. And again, like the domino effect of all of this is going to come into play. Where does Paul Espargaro go after this? You know, yeah, Paul Espargaro, who just had a, a dismal weekend. Well. That's the thing. Repsol Honda wanted Mir when he was moving up to the top class. He got snapped up by Suzuki instead. Mm. I have a theory. He ends up as the the odd man out here. Go on, Audrey. Paul Espargaro could end up putting Alex Marquez out of another job at LCR Honda. <laughs> Again? <laughs> Given how the two of them rode this most recent weekend, I don't know if i give either of them a job. Ugh. It's Somcat Chantra time. Yeah, unironically, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's another, th- there's another domino in this as well. Is We're probably not losing two bikes. No. We're probably gaining two satellite Aprilias, if rumors anything to go by. The talk is strong that the grid slots will be bought out by Aprilia that will then expand to four bikes. And because uh, they've all apparently the Noel Racing team that run Aprilia, they've always wanted a second team. They've always wanted to try and develop young talent up the ladder, like some of the other factories have done. And having four bucks would be the ideal way to do it. Um, so if they could buy out Suzuki's grid slots on the cheap, because there was no room when Suzuki was around. I mean, we were at capacity at twenty four bucks. There was a blessing for MotoGP that. Rossi bought out the old Avintia team rather than adding one to his own, which, hey, Dorna promised Valentino his own team slot if it came should've down to it. it. Should have done it. <laughs> should have bought his own team, but nope. Um, they, they bought Avintia out, which is the cheaper option, which is understandable. Um, the rumors worked out are too badly that, for him this yeah. year. Uh, it's no, it's not, not been terrible. No, not at all. No, Bez was ninth this past weekend. Good result. And I was going to say, like, it's looking like the Suzuki spot will go to a prettiest satellite team. There's rumors that the second Yamaha team, the um, the Razan Rosali uh, RAF team, are going to switch to Aprilia's next year. And then VR46 might pick up the Yamahas, which is on brand, I guess. Uh, deeply. Uh, deeply on brand. Um, it's a, it's almost a bit too on the nose for our liking, but I, it, it makes sense. Those Yamahas of last year are not good for the artists formerly known as Patronus. They've not been particularly strong all year. And the Aprilias are as good as anything on the grid right now. 
in the hands well, of like, Spongebob, wonder, at least. Keep in mind, hmm. the Suzuki factory is not a internal team. They are no. basically an external team contracted to Suzuki. Mm. Wouldn't surprise me if we see that team, if they can get the funding and get the sponsorship, which, by the way, they also signed up new sponsors this year. I wonder how they feel right now. Yeah, Monster. Um, Monster. Yeah, they signed up Monster only for Suzuki to bail. Um, I wonder if I they Brad's take gonna, up. I know Brad and Kyle are going to be pissed off about it. Oh, drywall, <laughs> drywall everywhere is quivering. Um, I wonder if they pick up a satellite Aprilia contract. Still, a lot of this to digest. Like me, like a fun fact: me and my own brother, who is also a huge bike nut, we spent two hours with a tier list. You got you get on tier maker with pictures of everybody, even some of the Moto Two riders trying to figure out what this grid could look like. Yeah, and, but like, mm. even thinking about the whole they just signed sponsors part, they have to have out clauses because I oh, they, they signed up. To sponsor the Suzuki factory yeah. team, not a satellite of brilliance. Oh, no, no that's yeah. not the point. I'm point like, how do the sponsors feel about this right now? That's like the thing shit. is, I think if they are a satellite of brilliance team, they're going to need to go and get some sponsorship to survive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because all of a sudden the value of that sponsorship deal just went down the shitter because no satellite team coming in is going to have the same inherent value as Suzuki's factory team, which is an iconic no. biking brand. You know, like I mentioned this in the script notes. My first diecast model was a Suzuki GSX R1000 when I was seven years old. Like, like it, it, it. It hurts me to see Suzuki go to go again because I was so happy for them to be back, and they're out again, and it's just so infinitely frustrating. And hey, we'll keep you posted on any of the ramifications that go on from any of this. Also, because this is, this is still a developing story. This is probably going to get uglier before it gets easier. Um, we, as I said, at, at the time of recording, we still have not got Suzuki's official word on this. Everyone and their mother is saying it's financial reasons. We don't know one hundred percent, but we're pretty confident it's. They're that. gonna be they're gonna be dropping this at a time where I'll be in Miami. I'm just like I can't think about anything else other than like talking to people and like not trying to act a damn fool in the fake marina, <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else has done this past week. I I, I see, but uh, yeah, good luck figuring all of that out. Again, Zuki's got a five year commitment. They're gonna have to work around. Dawn is gonna have to decide what to do with those grid slots. Who ends up buying them out? What bikes are they going to be running? And of course, just just before we move on, my entire sympathies to all of the staff of Suzuki. I sincerely hope it, it, that they get picked up somewhere, or that they can find some sort of way to. You know, I don't want to see any anyone lose their job through no fault of their own. And um, I do hope, fingers crossed, that something good and positive lands in their way as a result of all this but you know i hope so because i hope so in, in situations it's... like this uh the people on the ground are the ones who absolutely suffer absolutely um so yeah best wishes to, to, to everyone at the suzuki camp regardless and there's a lot of good people in that camp and uh yeah i i hope i hope that uh we get some clarity on all of that in the coming days and weeks. Obviously, we'll keep posted on all of that on Motorsport 101 as we get it as well. Hey, Trey. You got a grow. Yeah, yeah, go on, Roger. Yeah, we, we had a race. I was, I was going to say, we had a race. Uh, Paco Banyaya had a Grand Slam win. He set two lap records, and he only won by two tenths of a second from Fabio Cordoraro. 
they were pretty much 10 seconds faster than the rest of the field over the course of the race. It was a truly great duel that went Banyaya's way. Um, folks, is Fabio, is, uh, we know Fabio's still there. He's leading the championship, oh, yeah. but is Pecco back? Is Pecco back for real? Has he checked in for 2022? Hmm. The signs are positive. I'll give it that. I mean, look, no matter which way you slice it, for for Pecco to, to do that at Fabio Quadraro's openly admitted favorite track, where he was absolutely going to win it last year before he literally had arm pump mid-race. Still one of the freakiest things I've ever seen on a motorcycle. Banyaya ticked every top session box that mattered. You know, he obliterated the all-time lap record in qualifying. It was four tenths faster than the fastest ever lap we'd seen around here. One of the great qualifying laps of this era. Find me on board. I, I compel you. Um, and then broke the all-time lap record in the race as well. The race lap record went... <sighs> People were very quick to throw the term alien around again. Oh, that these two are so much better than the field. I think people need to pump the brakes just a little bit because if there's been one running theme we've joked about on this show over the course of this season so far, what has it been? It's been the Ducati soap opera. <laughs> it it's, It is like watching Coronation Street every weekend and there's a different plot twist in there every time, like as to what Ducati is on top. I mean, did anybody else notice that that, you know, neither Pramac had a particularly good day and then Aya was mediocre in eighth behind him. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I, I said it on Sunday. I'll say it again today. I It was only a matter of time before the factory bikes separated themselves from the rest of the field. As, like, as more and more development gets poured into these bikes, the factory mm -hmm. bikes are going to pull away. Yeah, and we got that. I mean, Miller was the second best Duke, no matter, no matter which way you slice it. Um... They were just faster. Martin binned it. Zarco binned it. Bastianini was middle of the pack, um, way off the front. The factory guys were the two best Ducatis. Then that's hard to argue against. I I do want to take it. This, this was the first real glimpse of the true Banyaya we saw this weekend. The one that ripped the shit out of the title race at the end of last year and got very close to making it interesting. Um. <sighs> But he did that to Fabio. It is basically in his own backyard. Um, Cam. Not that you'd you notice. Right. Because those two put on uh, the anything you can do, I can do better show at the front of the field for the entire race. It was the most intense fight I have ever seen that didn't have an overtake in it. <laughs> He's like, yep. Fabio never got close enough, but Hemity wasn't far away. Um, no, it, like they were both cracking out lap record pace, and they were never more than like eight tenths from one another. I was gonna say, like, I think the gap at this height was about nine tenths at one point. I think that was Fabio trying to save his tires for one last final assault. Um, boy, did he because he got back to him within about two tenths. Yeah, point two. It was point two going over the line. It was basically three bike lengths. Um, 
No overtakes, but it was it was a time trial. It was an incredible time trial where there was like a four lap sequence where there was combined less than a tenth between them on lap time. It was just there was there was swings where it was within thousands. There was one lap where it was three thousandths of a second on it's two incredible. bikes that make their lap times in completely opposite ways. Mm. It's it was fascinating viewing. It was like like it sounds like this race was boring. Trust me, it was not. Like you will have to. It is there so is very few tension races that will ever I, I think will ever top this. Oh yeah, it was just. You're sitting there going, can Fabio find a way? Can Fabio has Fabio got a little bit more? Can can Bagnaia keeps up? Because we've talked about Ducatis scorching their tires all year long, and it just didn't happen for Bagnaia. It just he, he was able to find a way to make it work, and every punch that Bagnaia landed, Fabio had a counter punch, and it just oh, you might as well have put them across the line side by side, and that's essentially what we got. It, it was a it was 41 minutes of those two racing and the gap between them was never more than a second. That's incredible. On any list. It was like, just, it, it, first of all, it's about damn time from, from uh, Paco. Oh God. Yeah. Who Long he'll, he'll, he'll tell you for free that he hasn't really performed up to scratch this year. This is what we saw at the end of last year. This is the rider who was going into the season as uh, odds-on favorite for the title. Yeah, he was. Bookie's Adam's favorite. Bookie's Adam's favorite going in, just ahead of Marquez. And uh, this is the guy we've been waiting to, waiting to see all season. This is the guy, if he, can keep, if he can keep it up like this, that's your title fight right there. I, think, I don't think anyone else is in range at the moment yet. We'll talk about that in a minute. I need to see a little bit more from a certain number 41. But, yeah, I still think we should pump the brakes on the Alien Talk just a little bit and see if we can keep this up. I mean, we got Le Mans in two weeks' time. That's going to be another fascinating track. Fabio, home, home turf. He's going to badly want to win on that one. There's going to be 100,000 Frenchmen. Uh, and French, Frenchmen and women are going to be chanting the man's name because there, there are a few MotoGP crowds more intense than the French. They love their bike racing, so it's going to be, it's going to be a great weekend. In a couple of weeks' time, um, it's going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, if if Ducati can stay with him there too, I think we're on to something here. And uh, yeah, fascinating race at the front, and just behind them. And to be fair, this got a lot of screen time as well behind the gentleman. It was the fight for the last spot on the podium. We had Jack Miller and the truly train of of biking form. <laughs> Trying to keep Mark Marquez and Alicia Spargaro, two very aggressive riders, behind them for a good 20 laps of that. I mean, how good was that as well, Feathers? Fantastic. Oh, God. That was, that was violent. And... This is a really good race. It's a shame it's been overshadowed by stuff that happened afterwards that had nothing to do with the race itself. Pretty much. I mean, it was just... <sighs> Look, Honda are ass. Like we thought, oh, maybe they fixed the bike. They haven't fixed the bike. It, it's not. It's not irredeemable. They've got stuff in the pipeline, but as of right now, it's very. It's still got a lot of problems. Cam, have they and improved so, the bike yet? No, no. They they have improved it in some ways and made it worse in others. They basically just flipped the problem from last year back around. So now the front has no grip, but the rear has tons of grip. 
it's a work in progress. What that's meant for this weekend is that Mark Marquez was fought finding anyone he could to break the toe and tow him around the track. In the race, that duty when uh, that fell on one Mr. Jack Miller. <laughs> I I think I think Marquez might have slipped him a twenty in the uh, in, in in the back after after that little toe job and yeah, it happened in qualifying. Sorry, he, he he stuck to the rear of Fabio Quartararo and he actually got it fourth on the grid by doing that. And a bike <laughs> he was predicting to be twentieth the previous day. <laughs> yeah. He's Marquez himself said that bike is five to ten right now in terms of range. He thinks it's a he thinks it's a barely a top ten bike at the moment. He finished fourth because he's Mark Marquez essentially pulled off. But how he got there? Oof. Oh boy! Um, who saw, who, who saw that about Ducati scorching their tires? <laughs> well, as Miller's tires went off, Mark goes for the move. Mark uh, pulls away for a lap and then spills the bike, only he didn't crash. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had one of these. Six, 66. That was the lean angle in degrees when Marquez had liked he binned it at the final corner. Ooh. 66. He dropped that- the front of the bike. It slid for a few feet. He used his knee and got it back up. Marquez said he was, uh, and I, think, I believe the quote was, the Jerez fans cheered me back up. <laughs> oh, he thought that sucker was down. And, uh, oh, it, it opened the door for Alicia Spargaro to finish in third and take off. Fellas, Alicia's not going away. Well, Alicia uh, Spargaro might be the most consistent rider in the field. And Aprilia, <laughs> their concessions are truly dead. They're gone. Yeah, they're gone. Like, it turns out that one of their, po- their, their other podiums didn't, one of their other podiums did not count because it wasn't dry. I, I actually forgot to put that maths into the equation. They have now officially lost their concessions for next year. And they're expanding into a factory team, and they're going to actually probably have a chance to pick up someone better than Maverick Vinales in the rider market. It's all coming up Millhouse at a prettier right now, and I don't like it. <laughs> this is. I don't know. This timeline's weird. It's not just any darkness, Cam. This, this is... is advanced <laughs> darkness. <laughs> exactly, exactly what I, I was love getting. how we all share a single brain cell. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It, it, but, it's uh, great. yeah, Alicia Spargaro is... He's putting this title challenge together. Yes. Other than Coda, he's been fighting for the podium pretty much every race. It is wild that he, you know, how, how close he's keeping this. Um, it is, uh, it, he's not going away and he's getting to the Europe rounds and he's still competitive. Like he, he's probably going to need another win or two along the line at some point to take some points out of the leaders in front of him. Because I see Fabio as a race winner. I see Banyara as a race winner. We don't know whether Argentina was more than just a one-off, but if he, he's keeping himself in the conversation and that's already a huge sign of progress at Aprilia and you know, Jack Miller was all right, wasn't he, Cam? I know, I know, I know you've been down on Jack. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was okay, but <sighs> he's been up to this point. I would say better across a weekend than Pecco for most of the year. That ended emphatically this weekend. Mm. 
Ooh, yoy, yoy. There's a lot to break down out of that. <laughs> That's uh, the, the, yeah, like I said, this combined with the rider market taking the world's most dramatic turn that you could have ever possibly imagined off the back of Suzuki. I mean, oh, what, what a weekend. What a weekend. And I'm almost grateful that MotoGP has a week off this week before we head to Le Mans. Good time to digest this. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of at the point with. Uh, Jack needs to go out there and do like a uh, he needs to go out and establish himself as like putting in a ride that says hire me. Yeah, put yourself in the barbershop window. But uh oof, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, final thoughts on Suzuki leaving. Um what the heck? What just happened? <laughs> Yeah, just wild. Um, what a development. Not in a good way. Man. I don't think that this is like... I don't know if we're at the point where MotoGP is facing an imminent collapse. It still doesn't look good. Yeah, I, I think MotoGP is fine. I think it just... Suzuki knew what where their performance really was. It's not where they wanted to be long term. They decided, hey, cut our losses and leave. Which I mean, it really makes twenty twenty look like damn. They really fluked that championship. <laughs> That's not going to help the people that were already down on Mir's world title to begin with because he won one race and the whole season was out of whack without Marquez. But no, I. <sighs> I'm devastated. I'm a few Suzuki fan, like like I told you before. But their EWC team, yeah. We we we. I I hope Ginters gets one more wild card at least. That would be nice. Um, you know, he's done a lot of work. You and I both know there is no harder series to watch in this world than (laughs) endurance bikes. Yeah. Not wrong, but um, I'm gutted. I mean, I, I love Suzuki. I, I said before, my very first die course was a Suzuki GSX-R1000. I had a Hayabusa as well, and they're just they're two iconic bikes. And oh, it, 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 it guts me to sit uh, in, my, in my favorite series that I watch as a motorsport fan to have Suzuki go away again. Just when I just when they were getting comfortable, just when they were really establishing themselves as a top contender, world champ, former world champions. Again, you know, that was their first world title in 20 years when they won it, when they won it in 2020 and gutted to sit to hear they're gone. I hope it's only, I hope it's only goodbye for now. I hope everyone in the team lands on their feet, um, however that may be, but uh, gutted. I don't, I, I don't think it's going to, as King alluded to, I don't think it's going to be a, a sport-wide crisis, but I do certainly think we probably underestimated just how big an effect the global pandemic had on this sport. Because everything just seemed to crack on as usual. And then, under the surface, I think a lot of teams were low-key struggling. It's, uh, whew, it's, uh, it's a wild one. Hey, it's, remember uh, when we had to close uh, dining in uh, for two weeks and it tanked the economy so hard that the rest of us just went on pretending like this pandemic wasn't even happening? Yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing. Cam, sign us off, <sighs> if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I usually don't get this responsibility. Um, huh. Go check us out on our social medias. YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook. 
Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Instagram, Motorsport 101 pod. Uh, we're, we're available at where all fresh podcasts are grown. Motorsport101.com for everything, everything us. Everything us. Yeah, hopefully more on Suzuki as we get it in the next coming days and weeks. But, uh, and, you know, Le Mans should be fun at least. That should be a great race. Fingers crossed on that one. But it's going to be quite a different vibe at that, at that Grand Prix next weekend. We'll have to wait and see how we go. But, hey, check out our F. It was a great race if you haven't already seen it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time for the French Grand Prix at Le Mans' legendary Bugatti circuit, depending on which commentator you ask. <laughs> Until uh, then. It is been... legendary, and King is wrong for disliking it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't... I might dislike it. Well, let me rephrase. <laughs> go on, King, before we go. <laughs> I might be apprehensive of it. But I'm willing to admit that it has some decent racing there. But I'm not the commentator that used the words legendary to describe the Bugatti circuit. Right. <laughs> oh, dear. The, <laughs> the brain cell is rebellion, as Zoe says in the chat. Let's get out of here. I've been Dre Harrison. You've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cal Buckley. Catch you next time. Sayonara. All right, guys. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Bye. Please, no one else leave. I don't want to have to do this again. <laughs> <laughs>